This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon, wherever the case may be. If you are in the West West Coast, as am I, it's morning. If you're back east, it's already a few minutes afternoon. So anyway, you're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you. We're here for your pets. We're here to answer questions. We're here to bring up topics, talk about actually anything you'd like. So let's uh, get down to business. The first thing you do is need to get a hold of us the old-fashioned way, the telephone, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Better way, a lot more fun, a lot more interactive. Again, we want to get start getting used to interactive medical care. Just start seeing commercials. Look up telemedicine, telehealth, teletriage. And you'll see what I'm, exactly what I'm talking about. Anyway, go on to PetLifeRadio.com and you scroll down to shows and you click on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And in the box down there, you will see a Google Hangouts link. Click on link and you get to join us live. Um, hopefully, you'll have your pet or pets on your lap or next to you uh, unless they're – I took a picture the other day on my Instagram with a 160-pound <laughs> Great Dane. This thing was absolutely tremendous and very sweet, as Great Danes often are. And uh, they, this one was cute with, the, obviously, the floppy ears because we're not trimming ears. We're not cropping ears anymore. And uh, But it was really, really cute and very, very sweet. So um, anyway – as many of you know who join us here weekly, we like to peruse the news. So I've been going through some of the veterinary news briefs just to kind of keep you updated what's going on, you know, what, what happens in our world. And uh, I guess the more you understand us, the more hopefully we understand you, which brings me to the first, um, <laughs> the first news brief that I saw. And that is that it was a survey that revealed, duh, no surprise here, a communication gap between the veterinary staff and clients. You think? I think so too. So clients, for whatever reason, it could be the clarity with which the veterinarian or veterinary staff speaks. It could be language barriers. It could be, you know, sometimes we have to, you know, we have to use more lay terms that clients can understand because we throw words around that to us are second nature. But we have to understand, wait a second, the the clients didn't go to vet school or medical school or whatever. They may not understand what we're talking about. So we have to you know, give it a way that's it's easier to understand. Here in Los Angeles, there are a lot of people that English is not their first language. So it's very, very, very important for your staff. And when you go to a vet hospital, when you go to, when you speak to them, don't be afraid to say, can you, time out, time out. Can you explain that to me again a little, little easier in words that I can understand? Because what happens is it may be to avoid embarrassment. You sit there and you shake your head. You nod. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand. You get home and go, what the heck did he say? I have no idea. So when it comes to things like healthcare, oral care, medication, what we call client compliance, the biggest gap, the reason is it's our fault, me being the veterinary community and the veterinary staff, veterinarians, and not necessarily the clients. And those of us that understand that we have a, oftentimes have this gap, I think we're going to get better clients, more compliant, better pet healthcare, which of course is our goal. So from your perspectives, you know, as you're listening, you go to your, your vet and they're trying to explain a disease process. If you don't understand it, say, can you a little more slowly? I, I'm just, I want to get it. Because when you understand, when I teach my staff, when I teach um, young doctors, 
I said, I don't want you to memorize. I don't want you to try to remember, okay, well, if A happens, then B, no. I want you to understand when I explain things, I try to have them understand conceptually what's going on. Because if you understand the concepts and they become, they make sense to you, then there's nothing to memorize. You, you just get it. And so if you're faced, my biggest fear is that if you learn through rote, through memorization, and you're faced in a situation that is not exactly the same as the one you memorize what to do, when to do, then you will have no way to extrapolate. You'll have no idea how to take a very well-educated guess as to what to do now. And yet, if you understand conceptually what and why we do what we do, then it's a lot easier. So don't be afraid. Hey, the best thing for me is that someone actually studied this and realized that there is a problem. And as much as you know, I am, am advocating for you, I also do, and, and often when I speak to veterinarians, advocate for the profession, teaching my fellow veterinarians that understand, guys, we got to remember one thing. What makes us great in the client's mind is not how wonderfully we do that spay, how great that incision looked, because they don't really know, right? Pet owners don't know what we do. You can, you can be standing over me watching me do a spay, and the outcome looks great. You're fine. But you have no idea while I was in there if I was doing everything right. And yet, at the end of the day, you think, oh, my God, he's the best. She's the best. We're not being judged, honestly, by our medical prowess. We're not being judged by how amazing we are at surgery. We're being judged by how we communicate with you, how much we love your pets, how much we are available, attentive, and when we answer your questions. And that's what makes us good. So you need that communication is absolutely key. This was interesting because we hear so much about this in horses, but we don't hear enough about it in dogs. And this is that in Florida, where they do greyhound racing, it's a big sport, very popular. They found, listen to this, traces of cocaine, cocaine metabolites, and other stimulants in the urine of about over 200, was it 230 times, 230 dogs in the last couple of years. Actually, three trainers have already been suspended. Their licenses have been suspended, two of whom are actually kind of battling. The, so they're starting to challenge the rules for testing. But the truth is, if it comes down to the testing issue, then they're kind of concerned about that. Let's put this simply. If these dogs were never given any of these stimulants, cocaine, metabolites, whatever, or, or others, what are you worried about? You wouldn't have to worry about how you tested, what the sensitivity of the test is. Who cares? They've never had it and they shouldn't, then you should be fine. So when you get down to the nitty gritty of the test, whether it's they're testing it too soon, whether testing a very sensitive test, there are very few other legal drug residues that would be picked up by any test if they weren't there. So again, I'm not involved in this in the dog racing. I'm not a big fan. I do love racing greyhounds, though, and they are great. Great, great dogs. If you are adopting a dog, especially if you're in the Florida area, there are a number of fantastic greyhound rescues, and they make terrific pets. And what's so interesting about greyhounds is that you think that they want to get up and run all the time. You say, oh, my God, I can't have a greyhound. I can't get No, no, no. They're the best couch potatoes on the planet. Of course, if given an opportunity to run, they will run. And, oh, my God, it's, it's beauty to watch. But they are really, really wonderful pets, sweet as can be, gentle so um, if you want to get in the greyhound world, don't go to races. Adopt them from the track. Yeah, they are they are really good dogs. So oh, let's. Well, I'm going to save the next one until the second half of the show when we're going to talk about something. That something is traveling with your pets, the do's and don'ts, and as a passenger, what you are entitled to 
and what the airline is not entitled to, what they shouldn't be doing. And you need to know this and talk about language barriers. I'm hearing stories. We'll talk about it in the second half of the show. So we're going to save that one. But get your phones ready. Go on on Pet Life Radio and, and just be prepared to get involved in this conversation. This is really important. This is one that I've heard before. I think I, we mentioned this a while ago. It was a study done on, on dogs. They're sleeping in bed. Should they? Shouldn't they? And the behaviors, they're basically saying yeah, they shouldn't. But guess what? I don't care. But this is good. Dogs sleep well in or out of our beds. As if they're in the same room and you gave them their own bed, they're going to sleep just fine. Now, people, however, slept somewhat less well when the dogs were in the bed with them. That does not apply to me because I... I'm a bump on a log and uh, often multiple, multiple pets in the bed because I have so many. Uh, I often joke that if they made a bed bigger than a California king, I can get more, more pets. But right as it is, it's a crowded bed. But they do say that the very old, the very sick or very reactive dogs are the ones that very young, very old, very sick or very reactive are the ones that may not be the best bed mates. Now, we have one such case in point that my very old French bulldog, Herbie, my first one, I have two, does have some bladder issues at times, <laughs> especially when he's dead to the world asleep. So there's nothing worse than waking up or moving around a bed and just getting that huge wet spot. What we did was, you know, well, having pets for so many years, we've done this already. We got one of those, those mattress covers. It's almost like the old, you know, the pee-pee cover, the mattress cover that you use when you have a, a child that is just, you know, getting to the point of being toilet trained, right? They make it have accidents. So it absorbs on one side, but doesn't go through the other. So your mattress is safe and the mattress covers. You put it in between wherever it is that you don't want to have to wash to worry about. And um, we do have one of those. So it, it's not so terrible. It's basically just, you know, washing the, the sheet when it happens. But anyway, it does happen. So very young because they're poorly trained, very old. They may be very trained, but they're losing it. They're losing the, the, the control or they're just losing it up here. We call that dementia, doggy Alzheimer's. Very reactive. And that's for a different reason, because if they hear a noise or something, they're going to jump up and start barking. May not be the best person to have a bed with you. I mean, the best dog person. What the hell? They're the same. Secondly, oh, parvovirus. We are seeing a lot of parvo again. And I've seen this over the years. It becomes cyclical. Why? Because we go through a number of years, everybody gets super, super, you know, concerned and they become very disciplined and they're getting their pets vaccines. And all of a sudden we see a, a really a big drop in parvo. Then what happens? Everybody gets lazy. They're not taking in for vaccines. They're not going in for titers. And, you know, once I'm a titer fan, they're just passing it on. So what's happening is now we're seeing a rise again. And this one, this statistic really scared the, you know, what out of me in Northwest Arkansas. They've had more than two dozen cases of parvovirus in two weeks. That's a lot. Those are the times when you have that many cases popping up. I mean, for us right now, and I do a lot of rescue work, we're maybe still seeing, I don't know, five cases a year. And, you know, the dog's being rescued under terrible conditions. So when you have two dozen in one small area, I mean, we're not talking Los Angeles, we're talking Northwest Arkansas. And two dozen cases in two weeks, that's a lot. So my recommendation, this is just a lesson for all of us, is that we should be taking our pets in, either get them vaccinated, have them tighter tested, make sure they are protected. And when you are out and about with your dog and you see a dog, don't be afraid. If it's a dog that you don't know, ask the owner, is the puppy well vaccinated? Is the dog well vaccinated? Because though it's a disease that usually affects puppies, you know, it seems to have a predilection for Rottweilers. As adult dogs, interestingly, it seems to like English Springer Spaniels. So it's all about the immune system. It's about genetics. So just be really, really careful. This one I liked a lot. 
And I think back to my, my veterinary school days, even my college days, because even though I obviously grew up with dogs, I wanted to be a vet ever since I was little. And my high school graduation present was my very own dog. He was a magnificent Labrador. His name was Thor. And we called him Valhalla's Eben Thor, Black Thor from Valhalla. And that's because Norse gods were all blonde, but this one's a black. Anyway, P.S., he came to Berkeley with me. We're talking early 70s, kind of almost anything went in the early 70s at Berkeley. And we used to joke that I think the professors were as high or higher than the students. So um, anyway, he used to come to class with me. He would sit by me. But this is a study that came out in um, like some sort of health magazine that therapy dog sessions help students manage exam stress. It seems like the study's done at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. And what they said, they were lower stress levels in and higher energy levels in the students that were participating in these therapy sessions, dog therapy sessions. So there's no doubt because I mean, I, my dogs were by, by the time I went to vet school, I had, um, well, Thor had, had since passed and I had Woody and Chester. Uh, they were half brothers, two Labradors, one yellow, one black, same dad, same yellow dad. And they were with me all the time. There may be something there because I was I mean, I, it certainly helped with my concentration. I was totally relaxed, and um, I turned out to be a pretty damn good student after all. So, so I definitely, definitely can buy that. Anyway, we are at that point in the show. We're going to take a quick break from hear from some sponsors here on Pet Life Radio, and when we come back, don't go away. We are going to talk about traveling with pets in the cabin, the do's and don'ts, what your rights are, what they aren't, and um, we really have to get to this because. I was on Inside Edition. You know, I do a lot of Inside Edition stuff. I'm, they're based right here in LA. So I'll get a call, you know, Jeff. So we did do, do a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago. There was one about the choking dog. So I was on Inside Edition to, teaching about the Heimlich maneuver and what to do if your dog is choking. And then last week, Thursday morning, I had a call, uh, excuse me, Wednesday, I get a call. First thing, they want to come by first thing in the morning to talk about this puppy Frenchie uh, that was, uh, that died in the United Airlines flight by being in the overhead compartment. And, um, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm having a speaking engagement this morning. They were at my house at 7.45 in the morning, Inside Edition, and we did this piece. So anyway, don't go away. We want to talk about very, very, very important stuff. Once again, if you want to call 877-385-8882, come join us or go online to PetLifeRadio.com. Click on the Google Hangouts link and uh, we can talk. This is one I want to talk about. Look right we'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. You know that feeling when you go to clean the litter box and it's a complete disaster? Yeah, we've got you covered. Introducing World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the advanced litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. Zero Mess combines the concentrated power of corn with super-absorbent plant fibers. Translation, scoop once and you're done. Find it at a pet store near you and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Doggo Suds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Doggo Sud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. 
And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here on Pet Life Radio. It's Ask the Best of Dr. Jeff. And I am I'd be shocked and surprised if you have not heard of the incident that happened this past week. United Airlines flight from, I believe it was Kansas City to New York. But uh, it was a three-hour something flight. And um, a woman and her daughter were traveling with their 10-month-old French bulldog in an airline-approved carrier, pet carrier, or the soft type. And the flight attendant didn't think that it was uh, small enough to fit under the seat in front of them. So she, not advised, she forced the woman, who English was not her primary language, and so maybe there was a language barrier here to understand, and the lady didn't know, the passenger didn't know enough what to do, what her rights were, to fight this one. And the flight attendant took the bag, and they forced them to put it in the overhead compartment, sealed the compartment. Apparently, according to uh, witnesses, other passengers, the puppy was barking for at least an hour straight, then quieted down. And P.S., when the flight was over, they opened the compartment, the dog was dead. This is just horrendous. So I got a call and, uh, you know, there's so many unknowns here. We don't know truly how big the bag was, would it fit, what the options were. Um, apparently, according to the flight attendant supervisor that was interviewed, does not know why the flight attendant did that, not policy, et cetera. There's, there are so many mistakes being made. It was unbelievable. So, you know, my thoughts, many, as I said, I did have Inside Edition come in. Unfortunately, if you ever watch these news shows and I've done many reporting for them, they will literally interview for 10 or 15 minutes of bites, what you call sound bites, and they will take one. And usually it's not one that I thought would have been the most uh, appropriate, but they took one. So in those, in the overhead compartments, I mean, let's go backwards. The French Bulldogs, as anyone knows of Bulldogs, and I see many in my practice, over 300, plus I have two and my son has one, so we have three in the fam, that they have their own respiratory issues without being stuck in a dark, maybe oxygen-free, warm, hot place. So that's just to know. Puppies, in general, put in a strange situation, uh, have a tendency to start yapping and barking and get a little bit anxious, nervous, excited, etc. So those are two things, gimmies that we have to start with. So here's this dog, a puppy, that's put into this dark enclosure. Look, they're already in the carrier. It's not like they're claustrophobic. But my concerns were, as I mentioned, the cabins are temperature controlled. Is that air, that control, going into the overhead compartments. When you close those babies, they're sealed pretty tight. And so the, the first question I had was temperature. Then let's talk about oxygen. We do know that air up there, the air up there is very thin. And there are, and not only the cabins have to be pressurized, but I'm sure it was pressurized in there, that part too, but they have to have oxygen flow. So it is interesting that when that little area is sealed, is it getting the same amount of oxygen as in the cabin? And again, I don't know the answer, but that was something that was my, my, one of my first thoughts. Now let's just talk about a puppy, any puppy, and then magnified by the fact that it was French Bulldog or any brachycephalic breed. So they're in this dark area away from the people that they know, only 10 months old, and they start to panic. And Frenchies, as we know, have problems with their nares. We call it stenotic nares, where their nostrils are so close together, they have a tough time breathing. And worse than that, which is why they are a, often can be a big anesthetic challenge, why those of us that work with a lot of bulldogs have modified procedures 
to meet the needs of the bulldog, their, their anatomy. And that is they have a very, what's called elongated soft palate. And with the elongated soft palate, the breathing aperture, the opening to the trachea is often shut off, narrowed, it is impeded, etc. So these dogs, as I'm sure you know, anyone who has a Frenchie or a bulldog or any breaking dog breed, instead of breathing like, it's, they are like literally struggling to breathe. When they do this for a long time, which is why they're at such danger of overheating and heat stroke, if it's going to possibly or get another dog a little bit overheated, it could kill a bulldog. And that is, as they're doing that, the tissue is swelling. And the bigger it gets, the more it occludes, the more it occludes, the more they struggle, the more they struggle, the more it swells. It's a vicious cycle until these poor guys can't breathe, period. And the thought that this was is what was happening to this poor puppy just is mind-boggling. So dogs, anything live should not be in an overhead compartment. So what if you're going to travel with dogs? And to come summertime, just so you know, there are going to be many airlines have restrictions because of things like this. And they may not even let a brachycephalic breed. Those are the short-faced breeds like the Frenchie, like the Boston, like the Pug, Pekingese, Japanese Chin, etc. Um, Bulldog, English Bull, and even um, even some of the, you know, the big Mastiffs, any dog that has that shortened snout, that could be a problem. Obviously, they have to be able to fit in a bag, put placed um, in the seat in front of you. Or if you have a service dog, then uh, if they're really too big, you may have to buy them a seat. If not, they can sit next to you. A lot of travelers who are seasoned travelers with a service dog will ask for the bulkhead where there's a little bit more room and the dogs are just up against a flat wall instead of the back of a seat so that it can't be reclined, limiting the space in front of you. If you're going to have a service dog, make sure it's legit. What's happening is so many people are all of a sudden have these phobias and the fear of flying, the fear of people, the fear of this, the fear of that. And they're getting their friends, their doctor friends to write letters. And it's pretty easy, honestly, to get a certification online. So my only concern is, and look, I, if I were to travel with, well, look, I used to travel with my big dogs when I was doing from college and vet school. And I had to, if I flew, which I usually didn't, I usually drove, then I would get, I had a huge crate that I could live in. I mean, it was huge. And he would go in cargo and he did just fine. Are there issues with that? Yes, there are. And I always tell you know, travelers, clients that if you are traveling and you're going to have to put a dog in cargo, you make sure that everyone you talk to along the way is aware that there is a dog down below. Again, for pressurization, for temperature control, for oxygen control, they have to know there is a live dog below. Because you never know if that same airline, United Airline, that forces poor lady and daughter, her daughter to put their little French bulldog puppy in an overhead compartment that died. They also flew a dog, I believe it was a German Shepherd, to Japan. And it was not supposed to go to Japan. So... I think they say they mixed it up with another dog. Who knows? But that's pretty bad. So if you can, you can only imagine if there were some problems with the cargo hold and this was another dog that, you know, could have had a very, very uh, serious incident happen. But fortunately, it didn't, other than the fact that now they have to fly the dog from Japan back to the United States. So as we know, poop happens. Our jobs is to be aware of what your rights are, what you should and shouldn't be doing. And you know, put your foot down. Now, you know, then you hear the stories about these passengers that argue or fight with the flight attendant. Next thing you know, when you land, you have the federal agents coming on to take you off the plane because you're not supposed to. Well, you know what, then you say, I'm not putting my dog up there, period. So I'll take off, I'll get off the plane now. And then you deal with it. And if you're going to deal with things like that, of course, of course, you want to make it very public. 
because these airlines need to know what's right and what's not right, what their rights are. And really, if they're going to fly with pets and say they can and will, then they have to know the rules as well, what's safe, what's not safe. Which brings me to one last point before we say goodbye. And that is that I uh, have worked with an airline a few years ago called Pet Airways. They had some early growing pains and equipment pains with the planes they were using. And I'm very happy to announce that they are, looks like, as my many correspondences with them, back in business, better than before. And they will be do nothing other than fly your pets on a plane. Every single, there are no, no passengers except for the veterinary technicians that are flying along with the pilots that are licensed veterinary technicians that will have direct access in the air with some of the veterinarians on staff, of which I probably will be one of them. And uh, so if there's any, so basically it's like concierge service for pets traveling where they can be any size. They don't have to put them in cargo. They get the whole cabin. Everyone has their own enclosure, um, very comfy. It's almost like going to a boarding facility in the air and for the, for the, the duration of the flight. It's 100% safe. I mean, this is the way to go. And you have technicians there, uh, or pretty soon, I believe they're going to be changing the name to veterinary nurses, which I'm in favor of. You know, you think of the word technician, you think of someone who's going to fix your TV or your computer. You don't think of someone who's going to work with a live being. I think uh, we like the word nurse is better. Plus, people really understand what a nurse does, what goes into the training to be a nurse. And um, we're trying to get that same image out there for our veterinary nurses staff as well. Anyway. If you have any questions, you can always get a hold of me at drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com. If you have a topic that you'd like to talk about, please uh, get a hold of me. Love you to follow me on Instagram at drjeffwerber. Um, and uh, oh boy, other than that, I'm off to the Global Pet Expo uh, on Tuesday. is my travel day there, Wednesday and Thursday. That's the largest pet industry trade show in Orlando, Florida. There we'll be getting along, getting together with Mark Winter our show's producer here on Pet Life Radio. And um, anyway, have a great week. We will be here next week. Uh, that, the only exception is I may have to fly to New York to do Fox & Friends uh, next Sunday, but that's still up in the air, pardon the pun. So um, I will uh, either be here live with you next Sunday from Los Angeles or not. <laughs> but then watch me on Fox & Friends. All right. Anyway, have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you, if not uh, next week, certainly the week after. Take care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.